I'm here. Hi, Lou. Are you there? I'm here. Okay, good, good. So how are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Good. So um, uh, let's see. What are we talking about? Manufacturing talk radio. Yeah, we're... And, um, I, uh, sorry? Yeah, we're talking about uh, manufacturing as it exists today and how is it different than uh, the last century and how it's changing into the future. Uh, jobs, uh, skill gaps. Um, Great topics, yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, matter of fact, I just got off uh, another show with uh, Cliff Waldman from Maypie. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, he, actually, it, that show is still going on, and I just jumped off to get on with you. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, really an intelligent uh, uh, conversation about what's going on in the economy. Um, and I, I might recommend that at some point that you uh, listen to it. It'll be a uh, podcast this afternoon. Uh, but that's, uh, that's where we've, uh, we've been dwelling in the manufacturing sector as to the problems and issues and uh, offshoring and nearshoring and uh, things of that nature. What is nearshoring? Nearshoring is the returning of industry right. from overseas coming back. Uh, oh, there's you a, said nearshoring. I thought you said nearer shoring. No, it's. I, it, thank you for clarifying that. Well, there's yeah, actually yeah. there is actually both. There's reshoring and then nearshoring. Nearshoring basically is uh, American jobs coming back to Mexico. And mm, interesting. Yeah, it's an uh, interesting development happening down in Mexico now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is fascinating, and I, you know, you also address Lou the impact of three D printing. I, I think that's. Uh, going to bring some jobs back to the U.S. We well. yeah we know uh, we know a lot on three uh, uh, D printing and uh, okay. uh, a gentleman uh, that I've known for twenty five years has uh, implemented a um, uh, a program where he's partners with UPS which I can go into detail with you uh, on the show if you wish where part of the problem of three D printing is that it's really prototype production. And uh, you don't really get a lot of high, high production numbers unless you have okay, a lot well, of printers. Save that for the let's sure. that on the show. It sounds great. Um, okay, good. And then uh, do you, you address robotics in general, I'm sure, as well, right? Yes, we do. Okay, fantastic. Good. Um, do you have any questions of me before we start, Lou? Um, I, I don't. I just want to make sure your, your last name is Hartman. And yes. and your your website is uh, Jason Hartman. Is that well, I've got a bunch of websites. Uh, so JasonHartman dot com and HartmanMedia dot com and okay. uh, about eighteen others. Oh, really? I keep you <laughs> yeah. busy. Yep, that will keep me busy. I've got a bunch of different businesses, but uh, I've interviewed so many interesting people uh, all the time uh, that uh, you know this this is a fascinating topic. So uh, I'm interviewing you first, right? Yes. Okay, fantastic. Well, let's do it. Let me queue up, and uh, we'll go for somewhere in the 20-minute neighborhood. Okay, Lou? Excellent. Okay, great. Hang on. Okay, this is the interview with Lou Weiss, uh, President and CEO of All Metals and Forge Group, co-host of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're talking about manufacturing, uh, well, the state of manufacturing today. So here we go. This is for probably the Creating Wealth and the American Monetary Association shows, I think, will be good fits for this. Yeah. Here we go. <clears throat>
It's my pleasure to welcome Lou Weiss. He is president and CEO of All Metals and Forge Group and the co-host of Manufacturing Talk Radio. And we are going to talk about the all-important manufacturing sector and its role in the economy, how it's changing. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about robotics and 3D printing and onshoring and offshoring and reshoring. Uh, so Lou's going to help us uh, navigate through this. Lou, how are you? Excellent. Thank you for having me on your show. It's good to have you on. So uh, manufacturing, the man, a good manufacturing base is so fundamentally important to an economy. Uh, you know, we all, we all love these sexy tech companies and so forth, but, uh, but manufacturing is, is just this uh, very critical component. And uh, as a real estate investor, what I love about manufacturing is that uh, it, it doesn't move very easily. It's not very portable. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, uh, more sexy businesses are, and it's not very volatile either. Although, you know, it's certainly had its share of changes in the last few decades, but it takes a long time to change. Where are we now uh, with uh, with uh, the, the state of the manufacturing industry? Well, I think that the, the present state of manufacturing um, right now is, uh, is in a bit of trouble. Uh, I think that we have uh, skill gaps issues. We have um, uh, plenty of manufacturing companies, uh, and we have uh, about three million uh, vacant jobs. And yet, everyone complains that they don't have people to fill those jobs. And also, the fact that the baby boomers now are retiring at the rate of close to 10,000 people a day. And you don't have uh, the proper people going into manufacturing today because everyone is talking in terms of education and going to college and so on, which is great. And, uh, you know, it's nice for everybody to have a BA or better and be uh, educated to get into a higher level man uh, jobs, including manufacturing. But here's the problem. What if everybody decided that they don't want to go into manufacturing. What if everybody believed that manufacturing is dark, dirty, and dangerous, which it's not anymore? Uh, a lot of the manufacturing plants that I've been in and that we've been talking about for the last several years, they're really high-tech manufacturing companies, and the people that are going into it, uh, they're making good money. Uh, if you go into a good vocational uh, uh, environment and learn about manufacturing, uh, you can today you can uh, start uh, your uh, career off at forty, fifty thousand dollars, and by three years, the national average on a manufacturing job is seventy-seven thousand dollars. You know, all in with. Uh, 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 your health care taken care of in 401ks and so on and so forth. And we believe that, unfortunately, manu the manufacturing mentality uh, is that it is dark, dirty, and dangerous. And the fact that parents really like to know that their child is going to get an education. So they send them off to college, run up $100,000, $150,000 in debt, and then they can't get a job and move back into the house. So there, there are many things that, uh, many, many challenges that uh, exist in the manufacturing world. But it is clear, without a doubt, 
all countries, but including mostly the United States. We need to have manufacturing. And, uh, you know, had we not had manufacturing during the Second World War, there never would have been a, a, a conclusion of us winning that war. And uh, there are many people uh, today, as well as during the 40s, uh, during the war, that were brought into manufacturing, namely women. And women in manufacturing today is a, is a big pool of um, employable, educated women that can go into manufacturing and help fill these jobs. And uh, creating more jobs by the fact that entrepreneurship which is on the downside right now. But if we had entrepreneurship bringing in more jobs that all the politicians are talking about and having the individuals trained appropriately for manufacturing, it would be a lot healthier. And manufacturing today uh, represents about 20% of our economy uh, and Maypie, the uh, manufacturing uh, Alliance and Production and Innovation uh, Association just came out in February and said that the real number is about 30%. And they're taking all of the interconnection between different uh, industries, which, which really make up a bigger number of manufacturing sectors. So it's somewhere between 20 and 30% of our economy. And unfortunately, it's really not talked about a lot. And frankly, uh, I'm kind of a political buff, and I've listened, unfortunately, to almost every one of the debates and town hall meetings that the election cycle is going through right now. And it's only been mentioned, the word manufacturing has only been mentioned 15 times, and only once was there a discussion. So it, it's very important to the country. It's very important to the people, and yet it's not given its proper due respect. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know one of the sort of considered the the old industry, and not the not the new high flying thing. Correct. Yeah, uh, so, um, tell tell us about uh, the impact of uh, well several things, um, and and take take this wherever you want, really. But we've got uh, declining energy costs. We've got China on the verge of uh, some very big economic problems, uh, which I, I predicted many years ago. I, I think at the very least the one-child policy, not to mention all of the other crazy issues over there. Yeah. Um, we've, we've got cargo ships that are uh, empty. Uh, we've got uh, robotics. We've got 3D printing. Um, what? Where does this leave us? Well, that's a real broad question, and uh, I'm not sure that anybody can really answer that in, in totality, but where it, le where it leaves... That's why I said take it wherever you want. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm stalling a moment or so to see where I could take this. Uh, the issues that are, you know, the, the problem with uh, the, the U.S. economy, along with all other economies, and I think this is something that no one's really taking into serious account, and that is that we truly are in a global economy. And you can't just take a look at what we're doing, because part of the reason why we're in a, in a downfall right now in terms of manufacturing is that 
other countries uh, and, and continents, take Europe, for example, uh, Europe has not been buying from us. And the reason why they're not buying from us is because the dollar is too strong. Uh, and they don't also have enough uh, uh, reason to be making the buying. There's not enough entrepreneurship there to uh, create the demand and the need for product. So right now we're in a uh, bit of a quandary uh, for the next maybe two or three years before things will properly get to a comfortable uh, GDP of 4%. Uh, it's being predicted right now that uh, last year we had a GDP of 2.2%. Uh, this year it's forecasted at 24 and uh, 2017, they're predicting 2.5. These are not healthy numbers. And uh, the, the political environment, unfortunately, they don't give enough uh, credit to manufacturing. They don't give enough incentives. They don't give enough tax uh, incentives to have people buying equipment. Uh, we have become a country of risk aversion rather than yeah. entrepreneurialship where well, they're risk-takers. The, the manufacturing companies get so attacked. They're attacked by OSHA. They're attacked by the EPA. You know, they've got all of these very restrictive rules that you just don't have those in the information businesses. I mean, uh, Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's an unfair, it's an unfair uh, playing field. It's not level. Well, I think that part of the reason is that the manufacturing sector has been a slush fund for the government, where uh, let's impose this let's collect these taxes, let's make restrictions. Uh, last year, sorry, 2015, the U.S. government imposed 89,000 restrictions in this country. Good, good many of them, as you said, was OSHA and other uh, uh, agencies that are supposedly protecting uh, the masses. Um, this has uh, become a huge problem. Uh, you hear it today that uh, some of the politicos are saying, let's do away with EPA, let's do away with XM Bank, let's do away with all these things that we really do need them. I mean, we, uh, unfortunately, if we didn't have an EPA, their manufacturing companies might be doing things that would be detrimental to our uh, society. Uh, XM Bank is, is uh, I'm a strong supporter of XM Bank, but yet, um, uh, I'm, I'm not sure listeners know what XM Bank is. X what is that? XM Bank is a government agency that was started in the 50s to be a loan uh, facility set up for American companies to borrow money so they can uh, produce products and sell it overseas. It is the only, and this is not uh, uh, radio uh, gobbledygook talk, it is the only agency in the United States government that generates a profit. And you hear, uh, and I'm going to say it, you're going to hear Republicans talking against it because it, they call it uh, uh, corporate welfare. It's not corporate welfare. What it is is... Well, wouldn't uh, that be Democrats talking against it? Uh, they both or, do. They both do. Right. But meanwhile, it was the Republicans who uh, did not reauthorize XM Bank last uh, August, and they d finally did reauthorize it, but they have to have a quorum. So th they did not nominate 
a director of the agency so they don't have a quorum. So now they're limited to the amount of dollars that they can loan, which is $10 million on any particular contract. The problem is that foreign countries require foreign companies to be backed by a credit agency within their country before they're allowed to bid within the foreign country. And this has been a big problem. Um, you, you take uh, Boeing. I mean, they do call it the Bank of Boeing. Meanwhile, Boeing can't borrow money right now from XM Bank. And Boeing is our largest exporter in this country. And they are significantly responsible for balance of payments that we have with other countries. So now they're limited to only be able to borrow $10 million per contract. Meanwhile, it costs $50 million to buy one plane. So there are many restrictions within our, our uh, society that really uh, hinder uh, the uh, growth of manufacturing. And uh, Very interesting. Yeah, it's... Uh, so so of, the, of the presidential candidates in the political field, uh, who do you think is most friendly and, uh, and the biggest enemy of the manufacturing sector? Well, it would seem, and I'll just give you a little uh, seed for that, uh, for your comment. Sure. It would seem as though the, one of the big culprits here, and I didn't mention it before when I mentioned OSHA and the EPA, which by the way, the EPA was created by a Republican, Richard Nixon. Right. Um, but uh, and a few people realize that. <laughs> He's a Democrat element in the environment. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, the free trade agreements, I mean, you know, when Clinton um, put NAFTA through, it seemed like that was exactly as Ross Perot predicted, the giant sucking sound. Uh, you know, we already had uh, issues with other trade agreements, too, but, but boy, NAFTA was, I don't know, that seems, that seems like a big one. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, Bill Clinton was the one who uh, really promoted global uh, uh, interaction on the sale of goods and services. And that, to a great extent, is what made the 90s, you know, the rock and roll 90s. I think that the, these uh, trade agreements have migrated to a, a different level today. And um, it, it, it is problematic. And I think that whoever winds up being president has to think very differently than what's been thought of since the 90s, so roughly 25 years, uh, that they have to start thinking globally. They have to think in terms of global partners. They have to, for example, March 1, the U.S. Department of Commerce has uh, done a, a study, and they're imp they are planning to implement, come July 1, new tariffs against uh, steel dumping. And uh, there are six or seven countries, seven countries that have been named for steel company, including our, our most closest ally uh, and friend is the UK. Uh, but Brazil uh, and uh, the number one uh, abuser, of course, is uh, China. So the tariffs that they're looking to impose as of July 1 to all these companies who are dumping uh, steel into this uh, country ranges the the percentage ranges anywhere from two percent to two hundred and sixty six percent, and that's China. 
And the reason why they're doing that to China is that China has refused to respond to the Department of Commerce and uh, comply with filling out the appropriate documentation to determine whether or not they're actually steel dumping or not. But 266 um, percent. I don't think that that's realistic thinking because, first of all, in the United States, we're an important country. We need the products that come from overseas. We also need some of the steel that comes over from other countries. So for us to impose a 266% uh, tariff on China, a 68% on uh, Brazil, uh, a 15% on the UK, and I, I could go on, is not realistic. You're going to create trade wars. So we're not going to have trade agreements, we're going to have trade wars. And I, I don't think that this is the appropriate way for us to be uh, working with our, our global partners. I, I think that they need to sit down and, uh, like they did in Paris uh, with the global climate uh, uh, conference, that they have to sit down and start talking about how do we help each other. And uh, hopefully whoever the next president We'll start thinking that way. I have my doubts, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, the trade agreements. Um, what, what's the distinction? You said that they they're not what they used to be in, in, in essence. Um, what's the distinction? What has happened with trade agreements? I mean, are we are we getting a bad deal in the U.S.? Uh, should we be more protectionist about our trade, uh, invoking tariffs? Uh, well, I think that's I think that's the way they want to go. They want to become more uh, a trade uh, protectionist. Um, but I, I, again, my feeling is that fair trade is good trade, and um, I, I think I don't think that the politicians think real clearly on this uh, on this issue, along with many other issues. And I'll give you an example. Uh, Sunday night. They had the Democratic uh, town hall, and Bernie and uh, Hillary were there. And neither one of them knew or spoke about these tariffs that I just mentioned. They did not talk about it. They didn't understand it. She made a comment, uh, Hillary made a comment, that when she gets into office, that this is going to be one of the first things that she looks at about tariff issues. Well. It's only March 1, two weeks ago, yesterday, that the Department of Commerce has come out with a method, whether it's good or bad, a method to deal with it. And this is something that the politicians, uh, particularly the ones running for office, should really know about. And uh, they didn't speak of it. And, and actually, it was a uh, question that came up from the audience uh, a gentleman who is a steel worker, and he's a laid-off steel worker, and he asked a question of, about what we're talking about, and she did not have the answers, and that's very unfortunate. That's very unfortunate. Well, and you could say a lot of other things about uh, the criminal known as Hillary Clinton, too. <laughs> no, no question about that. Yeah. No question about that. It's it's it's, it's truly amazing and sad that. These the the people who are candidates are really I, I mean I think I can't you can't even take them seriously half the time I mean it's it's just uh, 
you know, no, no comments. <laughs> well, crazy. you know, uh, I, I try not to talk politics, uh, particularly yeah. on the air, because you, you're going to offend somebody. But oh, I, I don't care. We can talk politics. But we we I'm sure we <laughs> we sure don't have a good collection of politicians running for office this year. Yeah, it's uh, it's really crazy. It, it's mind boggling, really. Um, so, what can we do uh, to to fix any of this? I mean, uh, do, you, do you see? By the way, you know, just generally speaking, is the tide flowing back to uh, the U.S.? Are, are, are we really seeing how significant is the onshoring movement? Well, um, it, it, it seems like with uh, with technology, a lot of it could mm-hmm. come back to us. Well, um, actually, next Tuesday, our next uh, show on Manufacturing Talk Radio, we're going to have uh, Rosemary Coates, who's the uh, chairman and president of the Reshoring Institute. Uh, and she's a very strong advocate, obviously, of uh, business coming back to the United States. Uh, the, the problem is that, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, there's only about 65, 70 companies over the last two years that have actually come back. Uh, and, and the reason why they've come back is not because uh, there's any uh, uh, financial incentive being offered by the U.S. government. It's a problem of quality. And the problem with uh, taking China, for example, you know, you're, you're dealing with a roughly a, a third world nation who uh, doesn't really understand capitalism. Uh, they don't understand uh, manufacturing because they're primarily selling within their own country. And the quality requirements there are n- nothing like what's here. And the other part is that Foreigners like buying American products because of the quality. And that's been an age-old issue that uh, uh, even though our prices may be higher and more expensive, but the problem right now is that the dollar is too strong. So uh, that that's a, another issue. But getting back to reshoring, uh, reshoring, um, there there is uh, you know a Walmart's for example. Uh, Walmart has a reshoring of products coming back to the United States. They're spending millions upon millions of dollars right now, so that they, they can put more American products on the shelves and less Chinese products. And uh, I've met several of the uh, executives from uh, Walmart, and um, they are very committed to do this. Um, I don't think that our largest department store in the United States can ever accomplish 100%, but at least they're they're making an attempt to bring back American products um, and, and buying American products. So that, that's, a, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, if you ever go into a, a, a Walmart, it's, almost, it's hard to find American-made products, but they're doing, they're doing a good job at uh, reversing that tide. But the, uh, as far as the... It, it, it seems like this is a debate, you know, we can, we can sort of have one or the other. We can either have uh, low prices as consumers, and uh, I believe that the government uh, intentionally hurts American workers to uh to import deflationary pressures uh so that they can hide their ridiculous spending so it seems like we can either have low prices or we can have jobs but it's going to be a trade-off 
at least so far, that seems the way it's been. Now, maybe with technology, we can have the best of both worlds. Well, I, I think uh, I think you're right. Um, I, I think that um, part part of this is a trade-off, and uh, there there are many stories that I'm hearing recently how the uh, U.S. government is impacting U.S. manufacturing negatively. Um, but the point uh, to to your point, um, if we sit down with intelligent uh, Patriots who wish to really help our country instead of bickering with each other that we can come up with solutions There's there is no there's no finer country in the world The United States clearly is the best place I'd, I'd ever want to live Unless of course certain people get elected to office and then I might move to Panama, but that that aside uh, the uh, there is a trade-off and I think that um, if with the right people in power or in office, that they could think out a methodology that would work. Again, they have to think global. This uh, this imperialistic, uh, self-serving uh, attitude uh, of my country first, I don't think is going to work for a long period of time any longer. Economy. Yeah, but isn't that really at the, at the heart of it, what this whole discussion is about? It's about bringing jobs back to America and not worrying about uh, unemployment in China. <laughs> you know, well, well, that's... that's yeah, kinda, isn't this kind of an old selfish discussion of why you need manufacturing back here? Well, it, that's true. And uh, we need to bring ma manufacturing back here, but we're not, we're not doing it. 65 companies is not... We probably had as m more than that leaving the country. General Electric three months ago, moved two divisions, one to Canada and one to England. Caterpillar, carrier air conditioner, they're all moving. So there's probably more people moving out than moving back. So uh, we have here in the state of New Jersey, at least they stayed in, 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 in the country, BMW's headquarters was here in New Jersey. And our infamous Chris Christie uh, allowed it to happen that they moved, and I think they moved to uh, um, somewhere down south, I think Florida. Um, and they're, they're, again, they're not doing what they need to do to serve the public correctly. And, and the, Very interesting. Yeah. The, the fact that uh, China is having their own economic problems uh, is partly caused by the fact that They've become capitalistic and don't know it. Three years ago, they decided the government decided that you know we don't we don't really want to take care of the people as much as we were in terms of health care and hours and uh, uh, inappropriate working conditions. Why don't you people start unions? Well, didn't they learn by us? I mean, unions are good. Unions served a great purpose. I don't think that they serve the same purpose today that they did 50, 60 years ago. I, I would agree with you completely. There was a time when unions were needed, but they have outlived their usefulness uh, largely. Absolutely. Especially in the public employee sector. Oh. That is just unbelievable that public employee unions can exist. Do, you know, the government is the arbiter of fairness and uh, through its court system right. and, and its legislature. And the, the, the concept that 
there should be government employees unionizing to gang up on taxpayers <laughs> is the most absurd idea I have ever heard. I mean, listen, in the private sector, if you want to form a union, form a union, go ahead. You know, I, I think it's kind of outmoded, but so what? That's just my opinion. But in the, in the government, that's, that's insane. I mean, that's just insane. Now, I'm sure I've got a lot of policemen and fire people I, upset and teachers. You know, I, have two point, I have two points to make about what you just said. First of all, in, the, in our government, we have 25 million people working for the U.S. government. They're all union. That is insane, too. That's insane. <laughs> insane. 25 million people. It's incredible. That aside. It's, it's over 20% of the workforce. It's that's right. That's exactly right. Now, the other point is, I don't know if you uh, knew about or heard about last year, about the L.A. port, it wasn't a strike, it was a slowdown. It slowed down for eight months. Our president did nothing about it for eight months. We were losing a billion dollars a day with having the West Coast port virtually closed. And the farmers that were exporting and the, imp the import-export industries in this country were devastated. We had three or four shows about it. It was not on mainstream media. It was n it, finally, we heard it on CNN the week that Obama told the, Department of, the Secretary of Commerce and the Secretary of Labor, go to California, sit down with the two heads, and tell them if they don't resolve it by the end of the week, they will be in the White House the following Monday. They resolved it in four days, but they allowed it to go on for eight months. And now we're talking about people who are the longshoremen who were earning at the time, all in, $150,000 a year. There's something wrong with it. There's yeah, there sure is. Very interesting, very interesting stuff. You know, when you when you have this movement of people who want to make things more primitive uh, <laughs> on purpose uh, because they refuse to adapt, it is just, it's just, that's scary. That's so counterproductive. Hey, Luke, uh, give out your website. Tell people where they can find out more about your work. Sure. Uh, one is uh, All Metals and Forge Group which is steelforge.com. That's the, our, our metals company that forges uh, uh, forgings for the uh, heavy industry. And the other is Manufacturing Talk Radio, which is mfgtalkradio.com. And uh, we have uh, uh, many interesting people. Uh, I suggest that you go to our metals website if you're buying forgings. And if you want to hear some great stuff about manufacturing, please uh, tune into our radio station. It's live on Tuesdays at 1 o'clock and also podcast. It's right now, I think, about 130, 140 shows. And it's all, all aspects of manufacturing. Lou White, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on your show. Have a, have a good day. Hey, Lou. Bye-bye. Uh, 30, 31 minutes. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we'll drive some traffic your way, and then we're doing another interview, right? Are we on the schedule for that? Yes, tonight. It's 7 o'clock. Oh, okay. I've got it at 4.30 my time. I'm not sure what time's on your end. Uh, can you hold on a moment? Let me just verify that. Okay, great. Oh, hold on.
Uh, Jason? Yes. Are, are you on the West Coast? Uh, yeah, I'm in Arizona. Scott's ah, Arizona. okay. It's, uh, it's, I have it at 7, uh, 7, 7.30 East Coast time, which would be 4.30, 4.30 your time. So you are correct. Okay. Okay. Well, good. I'll talk to you at 4.30. Thank so, you. So uh, who's calling who? Uh, I'll call you. Okay. Great. Okay. Very good. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very okay. much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. You have it. You have it sorted out for me, but he didn't have it sorted out. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.